You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. I don't know what your life was like before you got saved, but... Uh, Some folks have come from a really dark background. Well, I'll tell you this, it doesn't matter who you are before you were saved, it was dark, you just didn't know it in some cases. But once God comes into your life, man, He changes everything. Old things pass away, all things become new. And uh, I think all of us can stand back and rejoice at what God's done for us. I would also say this, within my salvation after I've been saved, there are days that I have not always been proud of as a Christian that I had taken a path again away from the Lord for a time frame and then his grace still came pouring in. I thank God for that, for his mercy and his forgiveness and cleansing of his own children who already know him as Savior. I thank God for his long-suffering nature and his grace. Appreciated the song this morning. Be getting your Bibles open. We are in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3. So chapter 3, we'll finish up chapter 3 here next Sunday, and we're halfway through the book. That's just amazing. <laughs> it took me years to finish Matthew. All right, Ephesians chapter 3. I was telling um, uh, Sunday school, and I think I mentioned it this morning already, that my wife and I uh, got to uh, celebrate our 40th uh, anniversary. We've wandered the wilderness now, and we're now in the promised land, and that's a little bit beyond three months, but um, so we had, we had a, a great time, and, and it was uh, a lot of folks said we prayed that things would go well, and you had a good time. We really, really did. You, it reminds me of, um, has anybody ever met Oli and Lena? Uh, they're really a nice couple, and you would, uh, you would love to meet them, but Oli was, uh, was talking to his brother Sven, if you met Sven. Um, and um, this was probably years ago they were having this conversation, but Oli was telling his brother Sven, he says, yeah, it was our 25th wedding anniversary. And he says, um, he says I think I'm going to take my wife um, on a very special trip on our 25th. He says, where would you take her? He said, I, I think we'll go uh, to the Grand Canyon. He said, wow, that's pretty big, Ole. He says, uh, kind of pulling out all the stoppers there on that one, aren't you, to go on a trip like that? He says, if you do that on the 25th, what would you do on your 50th? He said, I think I would go back and get her. (laughs) You'll be glad to know. Me and my wife (laughs) left together, got there together, and came home together. Amen? Amen. Something about didn't, she didn't want to live up in the woods for the next 40 years. Good to be home. It really is. Good to be back at Eastside. It's all about His grace. That song really helped uh, my heart today, and it just reminded me of the, what the grace of God it just does. It does help you. Um, and I will say this throughout my message, especially toward the end of my message this morning, that I know all of us have needs. I realize that. Uh, but some are pretty heavy today, and um, things that I can't help you with, things that your neighbors around you cannot help you with, but I know the one that can, 
I, I know the man who can help you today. His name is Jesus. And he has grace that can help you and can work you through whatever it is you're, you may be struggling with. Again, I don't know what it would be, but God does. And you're not alone here this morning. Remember that. So it's all about his grace. Paul just talked to the um, Ephesians in chapter 2 and explained to them how God had taken a wall that was between the Jews and the Gentile that kept them separated, and the Gentiles were not just separated from the Jews, but hey, listen, they were also separated from the great promises that God had given to the Jews. The light of the Word of God had been committed to the Jews, and the Gentiles, the dogs that they were, we're not allowed to have a part of that, and yet God came in chapter 2 and explained to them, now the Gentile, uh, anybody in here a Gentile? That means you're not a Jew. I think we could pretty much all of us raise our hands, amen? Um, now the Gentile is allowed access to God, to his gospel, um, to all those uh, promises that were given eternally, in an eternal sense, to the Jews are now offered to the Gentile as well if we would be willing to open our heart and soul to receive him as Savior. In Sunday school this morning, man, I wish you all had been here, uh, 9.45, how about next Sunday? Um, it was so good to hear the testimony of how people got saved and how God kind of led them up to that point. And while it was a little bit hurried, it was still good to hear those testimonies. And uh, those of you that are saved here this morning, I'm trusting that would be all of us. If not, you could certainly know him today if you would so desire but you have experienced that grace of God, and you know what the grace of God will do for your heart when you call out to God in genuine need. So with that in mind, with all those things that he just explained to them about um, what uh, God did when he removed the wall of separation, not just between him and the Jew, but also that veil that separated all of us really from God and that veil of the temple rent in twain, giving us access to the throne of God and uh, so with all that in mind, Paul says in chapter 3, and will you follow with me this morning as we look, about, uh, look at a, a message again about his grace, verses 1 to 13, <clears throat> we'll divide this chapter in half, where Paul now says, for this cause, or in light of what I just told you guys about, the liberty you have now in Christ, for this cause, notice what he says, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, literally a prisoner in a Roman prison, okay? Um, so uh, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, uh, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word, this task God gave me that involves you Gentiles. Verse 3, how that by revelation, God opened my eyes, he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, he talked to him about this briefly beforehand, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. I want you guys to understand these things that have now been revealed to me. Verse 5, which in other ages, that shoves you back into the Old Testament, was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And here it is. What is that great mystery, that unveiling? That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Now, 
you know, I have a pause button up here and I hit it every now and then, so on the pause button there. Um, guys, if you just understood what was in store for us before the Gentiles were allowed to be opened up to the gospel, guys, we had no hope whatsoever in the world. We were destined for a devil's hell. Do you understand that? And he comes along and says, let me open up uh, this veil and show you the great mystery that God wants to now include the Gentiles to be grafted in, that they can also receive Christ as Savior. Uh, Honestly, we could pause there and just all rejoice and say, praise God, the Gentile has been allowed to hear the gospel as well. Now in verse 7, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. So the power of God worked in this man's life to make him a minister of this special revealing of this mystery to the Gentiles. Verse 8, I really want you to grasp this. I'm trying to make it as understandable as I can. Verse 8, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given. Paul looks back and remembers how he was involved in uh, dragging Christians to prison, seeing them brought to their death. And so he says this about himself, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given. God gave me this ability to be able to share this mystery with you guys, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Just think that God would do that for someone like me, is what he was trying to say. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. I love these next set of verses. I love it all, but verse 10, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Can we just pause the button again? So who is principalities and powers in the heavens? Who in the world is that? Well, let's call them angels for now, all right? Uh, so here's what he's saying, and listen to what he says about these angels in verse 10. To the intent, my purpose, that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places, to those angels, might be known by the church, one like this one even here, the manifold wisdom of God. I want those angels in heaven to be able to look down and see uh, church and let it be a demonstration of my wisdom for the angels in heaven. That excites me. We'll talk about it here in just a little bit. Verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. We can enter right into the presence of God. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. And we'll pray there. God, thank you for choosing a man like Saul, saved him and made him the Apostle Paul, and chose him to be that tremendous witness and a testimony to the Gentiles and revealing that great mystery that was not known for over a thousand years and now he gets the privilege to go around to the gentiles and share it thank you for that man most of all thank you jesus for turning to us that we could be saved as well so open our hearts and our minds if we're tired this morning god please wake us up and may we with great intent listen to what god is trying to say to us here this morning 
And I will personally thank you for it. In Christ's name I pray, amen. So Paul is given this duty in life. That's, uh, if I break this apart by points, uh, my, my number one point is Paul's duty of life. God had a purpose and a plan for that man. If you'd have seen him beforehand, you'd have said somebody needs to take him out. That man is rotten. He's ruining the church. Everybody's running scared. Uh, havoc is in the church. And yet God saved that man in a miraculous way and gave him a job and a duty and a task to be able to perform. So first, Paul relates to them that, first of all, he said, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And so you need to understand, while he's sitting here writing this really encouraging letter uh, to these people trying to help these Gentiles to understand all that God has done for them and to build them up, the whole time he's very possibly chained to a Roman soldier, uh, swapping out every four hours, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, and, uh, and writing these letters to the Gentiles trying to encourage these Ephesians. He said, I'm just reminding you that I'm, a, I'm not a prisoner of Rome, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. You know, life really is all about perspective, uh, and, and if life is tough, uh, you can say, well, the world's dealt me a, a, a really bad blow in life, or you can stop and realize that in life, while I'm serving the Lord, some tough things are happening to me on my path of serving God. That's the way Paul chose really to look at it. And he said, it's for you Gentiles. Um, you could even word that because of you Gentiles. I'm in prison. And he's not complaining. That's not the purpose of why he's saying that at all. Uh, because Paul began preaching that the Gentiles now are to be given the gospel. And if you're a Jew standing there listening to his message and you hear this Paul saying that I preach the gospel to the Gentiles, and I'll just keep using the word dogs. That's the way they looked at the Gentiles. We were the scum of the earth. And for him to say that it was disgusting to these Jews because the Jews have rejected Jesus Christ Paul was sentenced to prison for this uh, treasonous act of now, since the Jews won't listen, God has clearly directed my heart to the Gentiles, and I'm going to open up this huge curtain held uh, uh, as a mystery for over a thousand years that now the Gentiles are allowed to be grafted in or be made a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In verse 2, look at it there with me again. Uh, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you word can be a little confusing let's explain that Paul connects this thought of him being the messenger to the Gentile uh, with the Gentiles previous knowledge of Paul's calling from God uh, so uh, uh, verse 2 again if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God is just another way of saying since you know about it I'm well aware that you're fully conscious of the fact, is what that's saying, uh, of the, this dispensation of the grace of God um, that's been given to me. So what is the word dispensation? You say, oh, those big words, those mean nothing to me. You've already lost me. Uh, it's when he talks about um, this dispensation which has been given to me. Just understand the word dispensation. A lot of different ways I've heard it uh, described um, but it refers to a specific time frame with a specific action or goal for that time frame. 
for Paul, this dispensation of the grace that was given to him, imagine it being like um, a house. That entire house, you could call it your home. Uh, it doesn't matter what room in that house you walk into, uh, you could say, this is part of my home, all right? Or uh, uh, a dispensation would be like, but you go into the living room, and the living room is where, you know what happens in the living room. 90% of America eats their meals in the living room now. That's where, uh, that's where uh, the couch is. That's where you relax and recline. Many go to the living room. They watch uh, a TV program. Um, uh, go to the bedroom, we rest. We go to the kitchen, and that's where we sit Taco Bell on the counter and open it up. Uh, uh, you know, every room has a specific job. You understand that? And it's, uh, it's for a specific purpose and, and a duty and a task, but it's all the home. And within the structure, listen, within the eternal structure of God's plan, there are certain dispensations that are certain time frames that are for a specific purpose uh, for that time frame with a specific goal. And so, it's like Paul was saying, God placed me in this room of time where my job in this room is to go to the Gentiles and open the curtain of Revelation to help them to understand you guys have now been included in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, you, you're grafted into uh, what they call the, the uh, commonwealth of, uh, of the Jew, of the Hebrews, and, and a part of the, those promises that had been, many of those promises that had been given to the Jews. So he just says, God gave me a grace to be able to be this witness to the Gentiles. That's what he calls the dispensation of grace. It was a special calling of God on, on his life. Paul tells him in verse 3 that God had given him a revelation that previously was a mystery. Look at it again in verse 3, how that by revelation he made known unto me, Paul says, the mystery. I got to hear the mystery, as I wrote afore in a, in a few words. That mystery was the fact, again, that the Gentiles would eventually have the gospel preached to them. Previously, only the Jews in the Old Testament dispensation of the law were to be given the truths of God. But God revealed to Paul that the Jews would now, um, that the Gentiles would now receive it, and he would be the apostle to these Gentiles. Now, you say, okay, nice little fact to learn in uh, today's message. But guys, I don't know how to tell you what a mountain that was, how huge what he just said really was, <clears throat> that uh, as I've been saying in my message already, that for over a thousand years, uh, this, um, this, this light of the truth of God was only given to the Jews, the Hebrews. And, and God was clear, you know, even Jesus said, when you go out with the, the message, only present it to the house of Israel. Uh, don't present this message to the, to the Gentile. And so it was common to them that the, the Gentiles will have nothing to do with these great promises of God. And yet Paul stands up and says, wait a minute, God has revealed very clearly to me that the Gentiles now get to hear the gospel. They too can be a part of the family of God. They too can be a part of the eternal inheritance in heaven. And that was huge during that day. You can understand why the, the Jews would want him thrown in prison and cast out, and they tried to have his life taken away from him. He's a heretic, they think. That was Paul's purpose so that the Gentiles, when they read his letters, would fully grasp 
what God had revealed to him. That's what he said there in verse 4, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. I want you to fully understand what I'm trying to tell you, he says. It's real. The Gentiles really do get to be included. He reminds them down there in verses 5 and 6 that in other ages in the Old Testament, they did not know what was coming for the Gentiles. They couldn't have known that the people who were those, those heathen and those outcasts of society, even doubting if uh, the Gentiles even had a soul. It was unimaginable that the Gentiles would be grafted into the blessings of the Jews. And God was making that known to the Gentiles through the Apostle Paul. Now here's something that's very encouraging to me. I want to talk to you about how God shaped the Apostle Paul for this purpose and for the reason that he was, uh, was given this dispensation. Look in verse 7 with me again. Whereof I was made a minister to go and share this message. Notice the wording, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me. Just think about this. Who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given? that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, me getting to do that, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. So here's the deal. God specifically, and if you go back up there to verse 7, God specifically designed the Apostle Paul for the purpose he had for him, the special dispensation to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul states that he was, look at it again in verse 7, I was made a minister according to the gift of grace. So I was made this minister of God. In other words, God providentially shaped this man's life to fit the plan that God had for him. Can everybody look up here for a moment and listen to this? The Apostle Paul was Saul before he got saved. you understand that? And, and he was a wicked man. He was in many cases, I would even call him a murderer. He would separate families. He had no problem hearing children crying while moms and dads, Christians, were being separated while one was drugged off to prison. This was, a, this was a wicked man who didn't look out for the good of other people. He had no problem with uh, you know, uh, persecuting the Christian's life. How in the world are you going to take somebody like that and use him to spread the gospel throughout the Gentile world? Someone like him, really? Well, I think we find out in verse 7 that he was not born that way. I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God. Let me say a couple of things here. The gift of the grace of God was given to him. Guys, that's the only way you get grace is as a gift. If you, have, if you work for, you try to labor to, to earn something from God when it was so, supposed to be given by the grace of God, you destroyed grace and have made it a work of your own and have lowered it down to the level of humanity. But also, he said, God made me a minister. That's the way it is with all of us. You want to know part of the problem in Christianity today when God calls somebody into a, a work or even something as simple as, I'd like to use you. God may touch your heart and say, I would like to use you in a Sunday school junior church program. I'd love to use you uh, working with a group of people. And 
a lot of Christians will step back and say, oh, wow, I, I, I could never do that. How many Sunday school teachers or you've ever taught a Sunday school class? Could you raise your hand? You are now or you've taught a Sunday school class. Can any of you remember your very first time? I wouldn't even call mine a Sunday school lesson. I, I would not call it. It was terrible. And, and I didn't blame the little kids for picking on each other and throwing their gum and, and everything. There was, it was the, something that was not boring, at least. You know, they found something to do the way I felt. But I have to tell you that while I may not have been born to be a, a, a good teacher or a preacher or whatever God wants me to be, God can make me what he wants me to be. And you need to hear that this morning. If you're sitting here thinking, I mean, it's out of churches like this that God calls people into like, to like a mission field, to foreign countries, and we got Brother Ruckman's going to be having our, our uh, African service right outside of here at 1.30. Had a great start last Sunday, by the way, praise the Lord, but Brother Ruckman was not always the Brother Ruckman I know when he first got uh, brought into Christianity. God made him into the man that he is today. And when God calls you to a specific task, for Paul it was a dispensation, a very special gift of grace to be able to reach the Gentiles. And oh my goodness, was his life ever put on the line? And, and did people ever try to track him down and, and, and uh, take his life away? But that man stood strong and did what God called him to do, not because God made him and brought him into the world born exactly the way he was supposed to be, but God made him that minister of God. And I will tell you, if you're here this morning and, you're, you're ne- and you are needed, and somewhere, someplace in this church you could be used in, in some capacity or in, in uh, service for God, don't worry about uh, what you used to be like. We like to try to retrofit our worthiness. We like to go back into our previous life and remember what it was like before salvation, and we try to bring that person into where we're at today. But you've been born again. And the hand of God is now upon you today, and God has made you brand new and can make you into that minister that God would have you to be. I would challenge every Christian here this morning to understand that. God has a plan for you. You may not be the person to go uh, to all the Gentiles like the Apostle Paul. That was his special dispensation to make that great mystery known. Of course, that was Paul's duty and his task. But every one of us, God intends to use you And I challenge you to understand, while you may not feel capable, thank God you need a little bit of humility, while you may not feel like I'm the kind of person God could use in this area of service, thank God for your humility, but God can make you into the minister or into that person and bring you into a capacity that you are very usable wherever he wants to use you. Paul, I I love that passage. It, It encouraged and it challenged my heart so much. Uh, uh, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God that was given to me. In verse 9, drop back down there with me again, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. Verse 9, Paul tells us that the scope of his calling, how far does it reach? Well, look, Look in verse 9 again, and to make all men see. Now you can look back up here. Well, you know what he was trying to make them see, that the Gentiles are now uh, uh, allowed to be a part of this gospel of Jesus Christ. 
but please don't miss the scope of it. Um, it is to all men. Paul makes this statement in Acts 20 and verse 26. Wherefore, I take you to record this day. Listen to what he says. That I am pure from the blood of all men. Which means everybody I had the opportunity to be a testimony to and to try to share this gospel with, I did my best to try to witness to everyone where it was reasonable for me to be able to witness to them. I've been that witness to them, to all men. Romans 1 and verse 14, listen to how he puts it here. He said, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. I am a debtor to everybody. Can we just understand this morning, guys? The truth of the matter is, Eastside Baptist Church, and, and I hope you'll listen, and I wish you'd have been in Sunday school this morning, and again, I'll say it, if you haven't been, 9.45 next Sunday, you need to understand that <clears throat> the scope of our ministry, you say, well, I, I work in the nursery, and that's where, my, that's where my job is, that's where it begins, and that's where it ends. Drop that diaper in the, the hamper over there, and I'm done. Well, friend, that's in the process of allowing the gospel to be carried out. And your number one task of every Christian in here this morning is to be a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ, of what Christ has done for you and what Christ has done for them. Every one of us have been given that to all men duty and task to be a witness and a testimony. You'll hear me say it over and again that if you haven't quite worked your way up to being able to sit down, look your fellow worker in the eye and say, can I tell you what Christ has done for me? then get some gospel tracts and pass them out. Everybody can do that. Nobody, you don't have to be given a special dispensation to be a witness to Jesus Christ. That command has been given to every person who knows Christ as your Savior. I challenge you this week to understand, to all men belongs to every one of us here this morning. And then thirdly, it's that, that thing that so encouraged my heart when I was talking about uh, verses 10 to 13. Paul shows one of the reasons, <clears throat> you could even say um, one of the results of bringing that grace of God uh, into that picture of the Jews and the Gentiles. What was one of the great reasons that God allowed this mystery to be opened up? And would you just follow with me again in verse 10? Look down there in verse 10. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Can we just call them angels for the moment? So the intent was so that angels, they, uh, to them might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Now look back up here, will you please? If you would, uh, if you came up to me and you said, preacher, uh, I, I'm a new Christian or I'm not saved, and, and I just, can you just describe for me the wisdom and the majesty of God? Is there some way you would try to do that? And I would probably sit back, if you had asked me that question, I'd probably said, well, let me tell you about what we saw on our trip this past week. The beauty of uh, the changing color of the leaves and the, and the animal life was just awesome. And, and I could say, and, and, and one time on, on uh, <clears throat> um, family camp we all went to one year, many of you were there that year, uh, instead of heading home, my wife and I were able to take a few extra days with our family, went through a place in Colorado called Estes Park. Has anybody ever driven through Estes Park? Oh my word. You want to see the majesty of God. Roger showed me pictures of being up on Continental Divide up in Wyoming 
and saw the majesty of God's handiwork. Or, or I would say, hey, uh, you know, out on one of those um, country roads, just pull over. There's no lights outside. Just get out of your car and look up at the sky and see the billions of stars and the galaxies that light up the night sky and watch the shooting stars. And I, I probably would have said something like, you know, if you want to see the majesty of God, go and look at all of those things and tell them we don't have a wise God. Can anybody else say amen to that? Of course we could. But that's not how God did it. The way God wanted to demonstrate his great wisdom and majesty to his angelic host, he said to them, I want you to peer down from heaven and I want you to look in on my churches and I want to show you what the grace of God is doing for them. And the angels looked over and saw Jesus Christ sitting on the throne of God and saw his father telling him that I, I, you're going to be the sacrifice on the earth for the sins of man and watch Jesus Christ come down to this old earth and watch Jesus Christ live a perfect 33 and a half year life and watch the Roman soldiers <clears throat> take Jesus Christ and nail him to a cross and they watched him hang on the cross not coming down every one of those angels in heaven standing at attention waiting for the cry to come and deliver him but he never cried out for deliverance and Jesus died on the cross and they watched Jesus go to the grave and three days later they watched him come up out of the grave and presented to the rest of his uh, disciples on earth the commission to be a witness around the world and then they watched that same Jesus be brought back into heaven and sees him now seated at the right hand of the throne of God and then God says now look back down to earth where Jesus was and he says watch the churches and the angels are staring at the churches like this this morning I believe with all my heart if God would open our spiritual eyes and let us see we would see angelic hosts around this room this morning. I believe that. I believe it's scriptural. Read Psalm 34. It tells us that the angel of the Lord encampeth round about those that fear him. The angels in this room today are peering and watching what the grace of God has done for the churches throughout this world. Well, what have they done? What has the grace of God done? He watches and listens to those angels who hear the gospel preached. You say, what is that gospel? Very clearly. I kind of told it to you here a minute ago. Jesus Christ came from heaven because sinful man had no way of getting back into a right relationship with the Heavenly Father. All they had to look forward to was a devil's hell where they'll burn forever and ever. And friend, if you're not saved this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, honestly, your destiny is hell. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a game. It's real. And Jesus Christ died on Calvary to pay for the penalty of your sin. That's why he rose again to show he had victory over what sin uh, had done to you and me. Victory over what death wants to do to you and me. And victory over Satan himself. And Jesus Christ now sits in heaven and extends to every one of us the gospel or eternal life and says, if you would be willing to admit that you're a lost sinner before God and would cry out to God for salvation, Jesus would come into that man's heart in their life and would save them forever. And the angels stare at that and watch a man who used to live out there and, and would live his life drinking and drugging it up cussing and swearing and living a life that his children were even afraid of and the wife would tremble when, she, when he would come home. And those angels would watch that man go back to his house, changed once and for all, and stand back and look at each other and say, 
How does something like that happen? Only through the majesty and the wisdom of a holy God can mankind, wicked mankind on earth, be brought into a right relationship with the Father and look like and talk like and act like Him. It's an amazing thought that the angel of heaven is looking in on this service here today to see the majesty and the wisdom of a holy God and to watch how God changes men's lives. The travesty of that would be when God speaks to the heart of man and a tremendous opportunity for a demonstration of how God changes men's lives has been laid out for you God touches your heart and says, you know, that, you know that need that you have in your heart that uh, your heart's breaking over and you, and, and you just wish something could come into your life that would, would just change that for you? Do, you? do you understand that God wants to take that grace of God and help you with that this morning? And, and the angels want to see how that grace could change your, circum, your circumstances and how your heart would be lightened and your, your, your expression would change because you realize, I now have hope in the Lord and, and I know God just assured me today that everything's going to be all right in our house as long as Christ walks alongside of us. So Paul says to them at the end of verse 13, look in verse 13, the end of this passage. And he says to these same people, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Now look up here. So he says to them in this letter, I've heard that some of you are feeling really, really bad that I am in prison and, and I'm here because I preach this gospel to you as Gentiles and, and, and I hear that some of you just don't understand why I'm having to suffer like this. But he said, I don't, I don't want you to feel bad for me. I don't want you to feel sorry for me. Every little bit of suffering that I've been through was well worth it to see what God has done to change your lives. So don't worry about me. The grace of God that's been given to me is carrying me all the way through. So what does that mean to me today? What does that do for me? Well, the gospel's been opened up to the Gentile and I can be saved. What does it do for you, friend, if you're here this morning and don't know Christ as your personal Savior? You can be saved today. And I would challenge you as the Spirit of God would tap on your heart and the angels peering down to see the grace of God and the wisdom of the Lord at work. I challenge you to receive Christ as Savior. During the invitation, we'll challenge you to come forward and allow us to take the Word of God and show you how to be saved. Number two, if you are here this morning, fellow Christian, and many, many, many Sundays I've stood in a pulpit with a heavy heart and a breaking heart trying to preach the truths of the joy of God and yet my own heart was breaking only to get alone with God and cry out to the Lord for His grace and to realize God has been wanting to help me all along. And He did. And He blessed me and He helped me. And I would challenge you this morning if God's tapping on your heart as a Christian, why don't you let Him come to you with that portion of grace you need this morning and be a help and a blessing to your heart. I'm going to ask you to bow uh, with me this morning. Our heads bowed and eyes closed. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Nobody looking about. Our heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer and pray that God would work and bless and help us this morning. With nobody looking about, briefly before I pray, would there be anybody here this morning that would say, Pastor, I need that grace of God 
I need to know that the hand of God is working in my life and in my circumstances. And it would sure be a blessing to know that you're being in prayer with me. Could you slip your hand up and say, pray for me. Nobody's looking. Real quick, hands right up and right down. Thank you, friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Just keep me in prayer, please. Thank you. God, we thank you for your word and the blessing that it's been to me once again just to be reminded that I was out in darkness. Every one of us were in darkness and without Christ. And you opened that gospel to us. And a faithful preacher or a friend shared that gospel. And we came to know you as Savior by the grace of God. And now today as Christians, Lord, we need that grace to help us through uh, each of our trials and heartaches and our grief. God, you knew the hands before they ever went up today. And I pray your blessing and help to be upon them. I pray for those in here this morning that may not even be saved. And God, would you draw them to you in a saving way this morning? Please, God, as we commit this to you and ask it in Christ's name. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.